0: Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for coming. Uh, This is GPS Tech 309. And my name is Judah Bernstein. I'm a partner solutions architect with Amazon Web Services. And I focus on software as a service, independent software vendors and system integrators, helping them build and evangelize their solutions. And here
1: with me today, I have Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Downs. I am a senior cloud architect at New Relic. Thank you very much for joining our session. And uh, in this session,
0: we're going to describe how you can architect to create a unified view of multi-tenant health. And we'll be featuring an APN partner, and we have with us, of course, New Relic. So um, I'd like to get started. So the other week, I was speaking to an APN partner. So APN is our AWS partner network. Provides business marketing and technical support to ISVs and SIs. And they were mentioning that they were growing very rapidly, like some of the other SaaS providers hosted on AWS, like Stripe in Payments, maybe Sumo Logic or Splunk and Logs. But they were saying that they had a problem because they were growing so fast, but they had challenges with supporting multiple customers on this innovative platform, right? They're innovating, adding customers, and they're ultimately adding a lot of value for these customers at a rapid pace. They had to figure out the way to troubleshoot efficiently and be able to diagnose and understand issues across a variety of features, use cases, and geographies right they are servicing new markets so it's making it challenging they to evaluate tenant-centric infrastructure bottlenecks right so in in software as a service you imagine you have multi-tenant right we have shared infrastructure you have you know which may be in a pod or you may have a, a variety of infrastructure that's maybe siloed off to specific tenants right so it's incredibly it under it's really incredibly difficult to be able to evaluate those bottlenecks at an efficient pace right so They had a lot of service level agreements. They were adding value to their customers, right? So we have the notion of being able to upsell, right, to customers. You may be able to provide specific, uh, maybe, uh, customer service agreements, right, that are specific to the tier that you have, right? A usage plan. Maybe you have a customer that has a premium level support and they're paying extra. So it was very hard for them to be able to document this and scale. They mentioned ultimately they had a lot of alerting, right? They had a variety of systems that would integrate alerting. You know, self healing, and, and they had to have this customer centric as well as just broad based upon the types of tiers they were providing. And finally, they mentioned they wish they could do a better job of allocation of resources, right? So the utilization of infrastructure has a lot to do with ultimately what the tenants are doing. And if they could be elastic, like the AWS Cloud provides, right, but not exceed that capacity by a tremendous amount to make sure that they're within their cost barriers, it was incredibly important for them. So I want to describe to you. That all these things ultimately came to the need of this SaaS ISV needing to simplify their role, right? And simplify and identify the importance of monitoring tenant health in a unified way. So, when we look at SaaS, right, we have this idea of the tenant. So, the tenant, many of you know, is the customer. Ultimately, the importance to your business is the customer. Customer success is the most important metric as it pertains to SaaS, right? So, we have the ability to analyze and diagnose specific tenant-centric issues, right? The customer issues, right? Individual customers, individual tenants, right? You have to identify and alert on the importance of individual tenants, right? So you might have tenant registration as a key performance indicator, or maybe you have things that are more specific, right? Things that are maybe specific to the use cases that you're providing, and you need to make sure that you're proactive on them. And as an example, as a service offerings are incredibly hot right now, you have identity as a service, you have security as a service, you have deep learning as a service. It's very important to be able to monitor this functionality across a variety of that spectrum, but be able to do so and evaluate ultimately maybe where you're, you're, you're struggling to be able to identify the performance, right? And if you can correlate these metrics in a unified way, you have the ability to adapt your business. So... I wanna introduce you guys to the concept of managing tenant health, right? So managing tenant health takes things a step further, right? In monitoring tenant health, we're looking at the role of the SaaS operator, right? Now managing tenant health takes this one step further and now looks at the business health, right? It correlates the metrics that you have for monitoring in a tenant context with tenant activity and puts it all together in a unified view to allow you to be able to develop specific services, right? Develop specific service level agreements to visualize these KPIs. Maybe you can directly correlate churn right? Or metrics like customer lifetime value in relationship to the measuring of the benchmarks for these specific tenants. If you could do this, you can assess potential business opportunities, right? Investments come from data. AWS uses a lot of data to be able to understand what our customers are using, right? And if you can do that, ultimately you can evolve and innovate. So let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about uh, an example of a software as a service. So I provided the landscape that's necessary to understand why monitoring and management of tenant health is important but we need to go into a little bit more depth so a software as a service ultimately has a variety of tenants right these tenants have multiple users of their own maybe there's users in finance and marketing maybe there's users in IT right and these users in this reference architecture will access a control panel this control panel in this reference architecture happens to be hosted in static web uh, assets hosted in Amazon's S3, an object storage that has trillions of objects and regularly peaks at millions of requests. So once they access this web control panel, they're going to need to do something. But in order for them to do it, like any other SaaS, they need to log in or register. When they register, it's important in our SaaS reference design to be able to identify who the tenant is, who the user is, and the responsibility to their function. Right. So we mentioned finance and marketing as roles. Right. So you need to make sure that there are a role of marketing which scopes their permissions accordingly from here they'll be responsible for interacting with your business functionality so whatever the use cases you may be providing will be able to uh, you'll be able to front that using the amazon api gateway so api gateway could ultimately allow to validate the signature so the signature of this token or this authorization token as we call it is pretty much a way for you to evaluate who this person is and that they truly are who they say they are. When that happens, you'll be able to interfa- interface with your business functionality, maybe in a Lambda function. In this reference design, it's in an HTTP endpoint within an application load balancer hosted um, in, in an EC2 container service where we have two microservices. Right? Maybe these microservices are specific to use case, maybe they're you know, multi-tenant, or maybe they're single-tenant, right? but they're ultimately multi-tenant in that cluster. right? And this has a lot to do with the ultimate objective you have in relationship to your tenant isolation architectures. Finally, you have S3 objects. So, S3 objects, what's your use case? What's your functionality? Maybe you're doing document reporting, right? Maybe you're doing, um, you know, providing access to specific data, right? And in this circumstance, we have DynamoDB, right? DynamoDB is our NoSQL database that allows you to be able to. scope permissions down to a very fine-grained perspective. So you can identify the specific tenant as we talked about in that JSON web token, decode that token, and be able to scope down permissions to the item level for that specific tenant. And you can do so even at the more fine-grained level where now this user in that tenant has only access to this resource. So as you see, microservices becomes a really important play here. So I want to introduce you all to the concept of a tenant-centric dashboard, right? So we talked about unifying view, but in order for you to be able to create a unified view, you really need to be able to understand what it would look like. So here's an example that I have. So I think everything falls back into the business perspective, right? So we have a tenant, like I said, the customer, who you are servicing. You have the services. Maybe you have login, maybe you have registration, maybe things are tenant-specific, maybe they're not tenant-specific. Um, You have tiers, the relationship you have with your customer. If you have a premium tier, right, if you imagine you have a premium tier, you need to make sure that you're servicing that customer at a much, much greater level than if you have a, a smaller tier, right? Maybe a free tier has no support. Maybe you don't even necessarily monitor their, their, their workloads on as a frequent basis as you, as you would for the, uh, the the premium tenants, right? You have a filtered view. So from here, once you click on these buttons, in a conceptual view, it would be your expectation that you'd be able to see how the is interfacing, right? So maybe there's a session. Oh, this specific tenant has this specific customer as part of an e-commerce platform that may have specific items in the Heart, right? A transaction, maybe they're going ahead and logging in and I want to see this tenant logging into this identity and management as a service, right? And of course the request. So once you do this, now you have the relationship of the customer, the business case, and now you have the actual interaction. Now that you have the interaction, I, I want, you know, it's ultimately back to the operator. I want to know what infrastructure is the challenge. I want to know what code I can improve, right? Where's my bottleneck, right? how can I be able to identify the real-time interactions using browser functionality, right? Maybe a real user monitoring call. And finally, I can take synthetic transactions to be able to identify how I can improve and improving in real-time. So it's funny, because when you look at where to collect tenant-level metrics, oftentimes you'll find that they're in very similar places that you would expect, right? But the difference would be what tenant metrics you would consider, right? So I would recommend that you... Take a look at the historical view of of capturing metrics, right? So historically, we had operational metrics, right? Basic transactions, page views, infrastructure. You had to associate the metrics, right? You had the cookie, the session. Things went a step further, and you had to integrate your AWS infrastructure, maybe your third-party login provider. But now I want to talk to you a lot about the correlation of all these assets and this data together to be able to do so in the context of that tenant, If you're operating at scale, imagine you're Salesforce.com, imagine that you're Sumo Logic, imagine that you're Splunk, you're going to have a real challenge to be able to manage these tenants at scale if you have millions of customers. So you need to make sure you know who that customer is so you can do so at a quick pace. So capturing tenant level metrics isn't just about the specific context of that tenant or that user within that tenant, but it's also the data, right? So you need to capture storage activity, tenant activity in relationship to maybe a specific host, right, maybe you have a series of databases, right, where each database is per customer, right, but maybe you have an application tier that's shared and multi-tenant, right? Being able to identify those will allow you to be able to take that data into that view that I mentioned before And now you can see, oh, well, I I can identify that catalog search is having a problem with tenant one, maybe because X, Y reason, and now I know how to resolve it. And I can use this to drive optimization in my application. So capturing tenant-level metrics on AWS. So we have uh, so many options here on AWS, and we have a variety of partners that do monitoring, right? But we have a new service that, um, launched relatively recently, called AWS X-Ray. And AWS X-Ray provides distributed application traces. Distributed application traces will allow you to be able to identify the code bottlenecks within your code, right? And we have a variety of options for you to be able to identify the performance of these transactions. So, a segment, a segment is the top-level transaction. A sub-segment, maybe the more function-based, right? Maybe it's a little bit more deep dive, right? And you can add what's called an annotation. And annotation allows you to embed tenant context into your function using AWS X-Ray. So now you know that whatever function it is in your application, maybe it's an express application, and your post method for login is, is, is failing, right? Now you know exactly who it's failing for, and you know how to resolve. Another option, right? There's many, as I said, but I, I, I can't cover every one, but another option is using Amazon CloudWatch. CloudWatch is a service that is used for monitoring. It can capture logs, it can c- capture events, right you can capture uh, you know metrics and of course it can trigger alarms so Amazon CloudWatch has a variety of ways that you can embed context, right? But you can also embed context in relationship to putting the metric data in a JSON object, right? So now you're embedding this context, and you may also integrate, and additionally, to the context listed here, you might have a Lambda function that's decoupled from your application. Maybe you have the context of your application, right, that you want to embed. So you can add whatever objects you need to within this JSON object. And you can do so also with CloudWatch events. So how do you architect for multi-tenant identity? So I told you how to capture these metrics, but now I want the meat of tell me what I need to couple together. Tell me the prescriptive solution. And there's so many options, right? That's the benefit of AWS, but here's one. So you're gonna start with capturing these metrics, process these metrics, you're gonna persist them, and you're gonna take action. And of course, after we go through these details, in the next coming slides, we're gonna have New Relic go ahead and show us how they can visualize them in their control panel. So you capture metrics on AWS, right? You can take the reference architecture as an example before, and you can go ahead and integrate AWS X-Ray and CloudWatch. You can send this data or maybe you automatically pull this data using a Lambda function, maybe using a container, whatever that may case be, right? And then you're gonna put this into what we call Amazon Kinesis Streams. Kinesis Streams is our real time analytics service. From here, you know now you, it's just a matter of what you do next, so you can go ahead and Real time identify and analyze these metrics to be able to identify how you can maybe trigger an alert or self heal or be able to do whatever is necessary immediately, right in real time. In addition, you could also send this data to Kinesis Firehose to persist this data. So this is interesting, right? But well, Judah, we need a lot more details, right? We need to get into the processing and the analysis of these metrics. So we look at what we had before, we have Kinesis Analytics and Kinesis Firehose, right? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take maybe the Kinesis Client Library or the Kinesis Agent, right? And we're gonna be able to take this data from a Kinesis stream, process this data using Amazon's EMR, right? We have a machine learning algorithm. Maybe we have a trend, but we don't know that trend, right? Because we're trying to create a monitoring system for our application, right? And it's challenging for us to be able to do that because you know we need to figure out trends right so you can use amazon's machine learning as well and be able to ultimately after you visualize this data you can persist it using amazon's redshift or s3 you can persist it directly from emr you can persist it into a dynamo database right so maybe you have a use case where you're providing monitoring as a service right and your expectation for your clients is that they could see this data maybe up to 5 minutes after the data is showing up, right? So DynamoDB will allow you to be able to do that visualization, right, in, in real time, right? In addition, you can go ahead and take a look at Amazon's Athena. Amazon's Athena will allow you to be able to query and do ad all queries as necessary, to do relational database queries on top of objects in S3. So historically, you had to have this Redshift cluster, you have to have S3, you might have to have whatever partner solution you may be using for a database, right? Now you can go ahead and query directly off S3, which makes it incredibly cheap to be able to do so so we talked about processing we talked about monitoring and the interesting about taking action is that you can pretty much couple almost anything to amazon's sns right so you can invoke a self healing action maybe you have a function right the function that you have specifically maybe i have an outage for this application, I need to restart the functionality of this lambda. The, sorry, this of this container, right within ECS, right? I need to spin up an auto scaling action, right? Or maybe I need to notify my team. Maybe I want to in- integrate Amazon's SES as a reporting tool. You know, FYI, um, you know, operations team diagnosed X issue. Here's uh, here's the the uh, the Amazon's EMR process version of what what happened, right? So we have a variety of APN technology partners. So I mentioned AWS Partner Network provides marketing, technical, and business support to ISVs, independent software vendors, building or managing, sorry, building or integrating with, uh, we, with Amazon Web Services. And we have SIs, right? System integrators. These are responsible for managing services or building on AWS on behalf of an ISV. And luckily, we have a variety of solutions, including New Relic, AppDynamics, Dynatrace, Datadog. Many of these partners are here at reInvent for you to talk to them to learn how you could do this in a more simplified fashion. Building things on your own ultimately is going to waste cycles. But if you can use a trusted, proven platform to be able to monitor your SaaS, it'll be much, much more efficient. So I'd like to introduce Kevin Downs for him to walk us through how you can monitor SaaS with New Relic. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Judah. So I've known Judah for a while, and he's one of the smartest AWS SAs. That I know of. He has taught me so much about cloud formation, about building things quickly, about scaling, about the great reference architecture that he's built. And when he came to us, he was looking for a company that could monitor his reference architecture. And as he mentioned, some of my competitors are here. Please visit them. Um, But I'm on stage. So let's talk a little bit. This is our new Relic platform, and I'm not gonna do a marketing speech here with one exception. We're gonna focus on APM today, right there in the middle, application performance management, and we're gonna focus on insights at the top. We also have some infrastructure sprinkled in, but we're not gonna look at that. Now, the one marketing thing I'm gonna push in there is something that um, you've heard of soft releases and pre-releases. Well, I've been authorized to do a soft pre-release As of February, we will be the first FedRAMP certified APM or infrastructure management company. Can't tell you how big this is. This is huge for us. So let's dive into it. We're going to look at the day in the life of a SaaS operator from a couple different viewpoints. One from when 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 we get a call in, when we get a ticket. That's going to be the first thing we're going to do. We're gonna triage this issue. We're gonna dive into it and find out what's going on. We're gonna have things in front of us from our new Relic platform that will give the operator the ability to triage and find out what's going on. We're also gonna look at being a little more proactive, creating alerts so that we can get in front of it the next time. So some use cases. Now Judah said that the tenant is a focus. When you think about monitoring any application, it's not the focus, the customer is the focus. But in this case, from a multi-tenant architecture, the tenant is the focus. We need to know who that tenant is at every step of the process. So let's look at the diagnosis. We need to have the ability to drill down from a tenant point of view as far down as we need to go to help triage and solve that specific customer tenant's problem. We're going to centralize this what that means is we're going to have the ability to put everything in one platform in one view so that the operator has everything they need to go as deep as they need to to solve this problem prevent talked about this a little bit we're going to talk about it later this is the ability to get in front of it with alerts so that we can prevent these issues from coming back visualize so judah mentioned this we're going to show you you know statistics measurements uh, alerts We wanna be able to see what's going on at every step of the process. Support. We're there to help the tenants. Our customers who are using New Relic are there to help their customers. So in this case, New Relic is helping customers, helping their customers. Very customer focused, especially when you're looking at a tenant point of view. In fact, that leads me to a question. How many people are SaaS based customers of AWS that have a tenant focused point of view raise hands all right so the good news is the title of the presentation got you in here that's the good news so focus we want to give our operators the focus but the tenant focus so that they know exactly who they're looking at all the way down you may have tons of tenants tons of customers but you need to focus on that one who just called that says there's a problem So let's take a look at um, some analyzing some tenant-centric issues. So when a customer calls and says we have a problem, we need to focus only on that tenant. So let's select a tenant. Now we all know that we have applications on our desktops and they look great. Slides is a little difficult, so I'm going to blow things up as we go along. So let's blow this up, and I'm going to pick from my console a tenant that I want to look at because this is the tenant that called in. This now helps me visualize, focus, and really dive into only this one customer. Right off the bat, we've just completely changed our view, and we're now looking at all these other widgets here. All these things have changed to focus on that tenant. By the way, this is a view of New Relic Insights. This is where we take all of our data and allow our customers to slice and dice it and visualize it any way they need. So as you can see, we selected a tenant, and at the top we're pointing to basically a breadcrumb. This is the tenant we've selected. I'm going to pop that up a little bit. So now we know where we are. We know we're looking at one tenant, and let's go deeper. So the next step is to only look at that data now. So we've blown this up for you, and now we know that when we look at transaction latency, we're looking at it from this tenant's point of view. We know the tier breakdown, they're a standard tier, so we know a lot of information really quickly. We also know from the point of view of what, is the, what are the applications they're using. <clears throat> let's go a little deeper. So now let's select the problem service. And again, I'm going to blow this up. Uh, we're going to select the product manager, just one application in the reference architecture or your application that we're looking at. Again, we have a breadcrumb, so we're going to focus on that. Let's blow this up. So now we're two steps in. And now we're looking only at a specific service that's having an issue, and we're even filtering more. So we're giving the operator more and more focus as they go deeper and deeper, and it was very quick. Let's go deeper. Let's select a, a slow transaction. So let's select just one of them. Again, we're showing you the breadcrumbs so you know where you are at all times. Let's blow this up. Now we've looked at the transaction details. Now these, of all the transactions we received, From this multi tenant monitoring we're only focused on this one tenant this one application we're we're really focused now on looking at these transactions so let's go one step deeper let's look at the errors that the customer called in about they have a specific error that they wanted us to look at let's blow that up for a breadcrumb they wanted to look at response code 400 so now We're looking only at those issues. So we've drilled down in four steps what probably took a minute to get down to exactly what the customer was talking about. We're really focused. So now we want to identify those tenant-centric issues that we filtered all the way down for. So those are down at the bottom. We filtered it all the way down there. Let's blow that up. So now we're looking at transactions that happen, and it looks like when they order a specific product, there's an issue not a problem, We've, we can go back and work on the, uh, our, our back end and fix it, but we were able to get there very quick. So let's take that transaction and let's do it from another point of view. So let's diagnose the root cause of a tenant issue. So the last process was customer called, we triaged all the way down, we found the problem, we're gonna fix what their problem is. So let's take it from a different point of view. Let's take it from a slow transaction where we really don't know who the tenant is. So a little more preventative maintenance. These are our day jobs. The day in the life of an operator is looking into what's going on. They're always being proactive. So we're going to select a transaction. And on the right is what we're looking at. Blow that up. So now we see the metrics associated with this transaction. All the different components of it all blown up mouse over it if you need to to get the numbers but all that information is right there so we're drilling down into an issue that we want to look at so at the bottom of this are traces we want to go into the trace of that session now so let's pick a specific trace and we're gonna pick that one now we have a transaction summary nice high-level summary of all the various components of this transaction at a high level, it's just a summary, but it allows you to see what's going on and what are the components. And you can actually start seeing where the issues might be by the fact that some of these components took a little bit longer than they should. So now we want to evaluate the tenant context. So the first path was tenant called in, we triaged the problem. This one is we're trying to find out what's going on and who it's impacting. So at the bottom of that last screen is this one, where it points out which tenant. And again, as Judah mentioned, the tenants are the central focus of our tenant monitoring problem. Let's blow that up. We know a couple of things. We know their session ID. We know their tier. They're a standard tier. But most importantly, we know what tenant this is. So we are now ahead of the game. We have now identified an issue that we are proactively monitoring before the tenant calls in. Let's investigate that bottleneck. So let's go deeper. So we know who it is. Let's find out. see if we can find out why we have an issue. So we're going back again. We're back at that summary. But in this case, we're going to look at the trace details. We're going to go a little bit deeper and find out exactly what's going on in that code to see if we can uncover any possible issues. So in this case, it breaks down that trace. And you can see there's color code. It walks into some of the issues. Let's blow that up. We're gonna pinpoint the issue. And now, this was interesting. When Judah came to us and asked us to help him monitor his reference architecture, it was really, for me, it was like a customer. Judah was my customer. And one of my colleagues, Sharam Kazah, we helped Judah go through this. But we didn't do everything. We had Judah go through and use our tool to help him monitor his architecture, which was awesome because when we got to this point, We noticed that there was a bottleneck in his code, something that he can absolutely fix, go into, but it wouldn't be as interesting for a presentation. So we stopped, and we captured the screen, and it was like an epiphany moment. Judah, our software, our product, helped you monitor what you were doing so that you can make it better. You're just like our customers, just like you guys in the audience. So now that we know a couple things, we've done the triage. We've gone through and we've identified something on our own. How do we go into prevent mode? How do we make it better? So let's take it from an event point of view. So New Relic has alerting, and you can go to the alerting. And what we want to do is we want to create a new alert to prevent this issue from leading to a critical issue. We want to know about it before it gets there. So a couple steps. We're just going to create a new policy, walk through this policy. Given a name, very simple to do. But you're going to want to pick what kind of monitor, what kind of alert you're going to create. You can create one for almost all of our products, but we wanted something more specific because we have a tenant-centric monitoring need, so we need to go a little deeper. In this case, we want to create something called a NURQL, New Relic Query Language. Very similar to SQL, very easy to learn. So we're going to create a NURQL. And we'll get to that in the next screen there are a couple different types of conditions that we can monitor we can go after a specific query a number come back tell us if it's above you know 600 milliseconds or whatever or we can do something a little bit more in depth because we may not know what's out of range so let's do something called a baseline alert now the baseline alert is a fairly advanced alert because we don't just do one algorithm we pick the best algorithm. I think we have like up to seven algorithms. And on a per minute basis, we are reevaluating the data based on all seven. So we're picking the best algorithm based on the data. Let's go through this now. So we're gonna select this uh, baseline query and create it. So I mentioned Nurkle. This is what a NURKEL looks like. It's very simple to use. We're looking at the average duration, but we're doing it for a specific tier. So if you remember when we were going through own triage, when we were going through it and we were looking for issues proactively, we identified a standard tier customer that was having an issue. It's gonna be nice to know before it goes critical if we can solve it. So as soon as you put the Nurkle in, the query language, you'll notice in the blue section, this is historical data that has been captured and it's showing you over the last X amount of time what has transpired. So if we look at this, the next step is to configure critical thresholds. So you're going to tell it at least once in this time frame, five minutes. I know it's hard to read. In five minutes, I want to know about alerts. But I don't want to know about too many alerts. Too crazy overload. No one wants a fire hose. What I want to know about is just the right amount of alerts based on historical baseline data, that makes sense. So there's a slider there that you could tweak more alerts to the left less alerts to the right. So you can see it's just a little bit to the left of the middle the next step. Oh and by the way at the bottom you'll notice the red arrow is pointing to the one critical alert that the this baseline if it happened today would trigger. But as much as critical alerts are great to know about it'd be nice to know if we're going to get to critical. So let's go one step deeper and create a warning threshold. So again, same concept, but in this case, we're gonna do it a little faster. If it happens once in three minutes now, let me know about it and I want more alerts. I wanna know about it faster. So let's pause a second and you'll notice that there were three uh, warning alerts. But if this happened today, the leftmost warning alert would have given us roughly and that's a scale there, two hours to anticipate the next issue. may not know what it's going to be, another warning or a critical, which is what it is, but it gives us time to solve the problem before we get to critical. So very key to be proactive and put alerting into your full-stack monitoring. Now, there's lots of ways to do alerting. I've shown you one. That's tier-based alerts. So you can have a professional tier customer, the standard tier that we had the example for, a premium customer. You can have different policies. You can create different alerts for those specific ones. You can even go deeper, and since you're focused on tenants, you may have a very high-value tenant. You can create tenant-based alerts. So one of your premium customers needs a higher level of support. You can also have alerts based on business KPIs whatever the metric is, if it's revenue, if there's data that we're being ca- is captured, if there's data that is being sent into New Relic, we can create an alert on it, and we can create alerts on business KPIs. We also offer an alert API. So you can programmatically create alerts based on data that you know about and inject that alert into our system. Lots of ways to do alerts. Now, if you look at what we've done, we received a phone call, we've triaged an issue, we helped our customer. We were proactive, we looked for an issue, and we put alerts in, in place to solve it. But earlier on, I mentioned centralized, one of the things that we can focus on from a tenant point of view. So in this case, what we're looking at here is all of our tenants, not just one that we selected earlier, but we're looking at all of them. We have a bigger view. And again, we're looking at new Relic Insights, giving us the data the way, the way we need to. In fact, in this case, we're looking at the number of uh, tenants using microservices. And we can go even further and... where's it's a button. And say that we have four active tenants right now. Let's go deeper. We want to know what the DynamoDB performance is looking at right now. Now, I'm not doing it here like I did it before with the breadcrumbs, but I can select one of these widgets and go into it, and then everything would focus on that one. And then over the way at the lower right, from a high-level view, what is our infrastructure looking at? Uh, Judah's reference architecture uses ECS, Amazon ECS, is that right? And it's telling us what our footprint is, what's going on right now. So it's a nice high view of what's going on across all of our customers, just like a standard monitoring environment. We can even slice this data differently in New Relic Insights and look at it from a business metric point of view. So in this case, we now want to look at—it's nice and small for you guys. It's even smaller for me. I have to get my glasses out. So we're looking at uh, transaction latency, and in this case, uh, oh, uh, serve, uh, I think that's um, sessions, right? That's sessions. So we're looking at sessions, and it tells us the number of sessions per tenant. So we now, from across the board, we can now see how many sessions are running on each tenant. And we can associate it with a metric. This is total revenue for all of the tenants going on right there. And we can, again, go through the breadcrumbs and filter this to only look at one tenant and one tenant's number of sessions and their revenue breakdown. So it's very easy to look at just what you want. So now, Capturing tenant-level metrics with APM. So we've looked at two products. This is the second one. Um, We looked at Insights, which is that dashboard, and we looked at New Relic APM, which allowed us to triage and look at those session traces and do the session detail. And just as Judah was using with X-Ray, because it's a multi-tenant, and again, a tenant is central focus to this monitoring, we need to know who that tenant is. So with our new Relic APM API, we can go in there and we can create some code. I'll blow this up. And what I want to point out, and and even on Judas, it was uh, the tenant ID, it may look hard-coded. It's a parameter. We put that in there to make it look like this is what we're monitoring. But this is a parameter. And this allows us to retrieve information about which tenant is going through these transactions. So that was APM. Let's look at it from Insights. If APM is monitoring the applications, Insights has taken a whole bunch of data from all of our products, but you can also inject data directly to it. And this is the Insights API, and it looks similar. We have the same parameterized tenant ID, and you can see that we have a call down there that is is sending out data from all the parameters that we've pulled up and injecting it right into Insights. If you remember from Insights, we can slice and dice that data any way we want. So we're session traces on APM. We have an agent-based monitoring for APM. We also have the ability to bring in the APIs right in from wherever the data is, wherever the cloud formation template, wherever that code is. You can create a little API call out and bring some data right into New Relic Insights. So this session may have been monitoring an aws reference architecture but we have some customers and a couple customers here wix.com and sansan uh sas based customers of ours that are doing very well using our software we want to help them do a couple things number one we want to help them be agile we want to help them improve their software faster so in wix.com case uh, they have a DevOps culture and we wanted to be able to have them gain visibility into their application performance in production because we know production and production is a little bit different. So we were able to help them, their DevOps folks gain visibility into production over on the other side, San this is where they have a continuous improvement model. They're being very agile. We wanna be able to give them visibility and have them be very successful. So they're using APM and these are two customers, saas based customers that are using New Relic to great ends. So getting started, where do we go from here? So we looked at how to monitor from a phone call triage. We looked at how to drill down from our own point of view we looked at alerting. Uh, we looked at the ability to set APIs in. So where do you guys go? Because this capacity audience is just ready to go. So visit NewRalloc.com. Come see us at our booth, 2412. We're one of the big ones. I also have another presentation on Thursday at 1130. If you're interested in a little more general across Relic. Uh, I also have a customer on stage with me. So uh, he's from Gannett. Some of you may better know Gannett as USA Today. So USA Today is gonna be on stage with me on Thursday going through how they use New Relic. The reference architecture with New Relic monitoring built in that Judah created with our help is on our GitHub. So go ahead and jump on over there, grab it, and tweak it if you need to, customize it if you need to, but it gives you a leg up on how to do things much, very quickly. And as most co- companies have, our documentation is available on our website. I think, Judas, turn. Thank you,
0: everyone. Thank you so much, Kevin, for, uh, for bringing this all to uh, people's attention. I, uh, I really wanna leave you guys all with that tenant health is in critical To your survival as a software as a service. Making sure that you're operating at the highest level for your customers is what's going to make sure that they're successful and that ultimately that you have a long-term value that you can provide to them so that they retain with you. So, you know, I want to make sure that you start and stay agile. And, And one of the most important things in SaaS and SaaS monitoring is to be ahead of the curve. Be proactive. That means Not just alerting, right? That means self-healing. That means integrating new and creative techniques that will allow you to be able to scale. You're operating at a much, much faster level if you're going to innovate on behalf of your customers. And if you're not, you need to. Go ahead and identify and resolve these tenant-centric issues, and you can do so with a variety of VPN partner solutions. You could deal with some of the creative ways I showed you. You can come talk to a SaaS architect and be able to ask them, well, what do I do? Here's my prescriptive use case that I need help with. Let them guide you. We have new programs that were announced the SaaS factory program where we have content that allows us to be able to go in and help SaaS providers that are building SaaS on AWS. We have workshops and boot camps, immersion days, a variety of content that's upcoming in 2018. We have another program that will allow you to be able to analyze And make sure that you're analyzing through the view of multi-tenant health and adding that business value. So business value is incredibly important to your go-to-market strategy, right? Each one of you is trying to figure out how you can succeed, right? And that's incredibly important as a software as a service. So we have another program that we announced today called the SaaS Accelerate program. The SaaS Accelerate program provides go-to-market funding and additional support, maybe for proof of concepts that will allow you to be able to succeed in a SaaS world, right? If you're an ISV building SaaS, I want you to be successful, and I want you to talk to our SA's, to our business development people, to our service teams. Let us help drive you to the point where you need to go so that you're successful and that your customers are successful. So I'd like to recommend that all of you go ahead and take a look at the SaaS on AWS website. We have a little bit of a quick link. There's some great, great content here. There's some content that's very focused and technical. Content that will be white papers, blog posts. I have a quick start that is a quick start that is an easy reference deployment that somebody can spin up and understand how to build a truly multi-tenant system on AWS. It takes a little bit of the reference design that we described before, and this is what we used to monitor right, and understand the performance constraints within our application to be able to optimize. right. This is a way for you to build a reference design with Amazon's Cognito API Gateway, right? some of the services that we talked about. I'd recommend that each one of you take a look at the visit and visit APN, right? AWS Partner Network. We describe the benefits that APN provides, right? Register. It's free. Start with registration. Build the relationship with AWS so we can help you sell, so we can help you grow, so we can help you scale, so we can help you build, right? Each one of you is builders, right? Each one of you is, 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 is has a vision as to what you want for your software as a service, and please take a look at that. I mentioned it's marketing, it's business, it's technical support. There's a variety of things that you can see there. There's a journey, right? You start with registered tier, there's no commitment. If you want to get a little bit more committed and you want AWS to help you with funding or you want them to help you with marketing or provide you with scale, right, that's where you go a little bit further along in the tier. And finally, sign up for our SaaS on AWS interest list. There's content, right? Each one of you could use that content. There's nothing stopping you from going on the SaaS on AWS website, taking a look at the how to build SaaS, right? I want to know how to build SaaS. Or maybe we'll do a workshop with you. Maybe we'll figure out how we can make sure that your SaaS is successful, right? So take a look at that, and I really, really appreciate all of your time. And um, I'll be available um, you know, outside of the room uh, um, after this session to take questions. Um, you know, As I mentioned, we have a variety of programs, and please get to know our programs a little bit more. Please take a look, and you're going to see a lot of announcements coming in for these programs when they launch in 2018. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, everyone.